0: Numbers chapter 20. How many times have you heard patience is a virtue from your parents? Anybody? I heard it all the time. I am not, unfortunately, the most patient person I'm getting there. Uh, The older I get, I I think you're supposed to be uh, maturing more. And the older you get, you're supposed to be Uh, more patient. Uh, However, there are some people that I know that are much older than I that are not so patient. But nonetheless, patience is a virtue. About six months ago, we were preparing to leave on a camping trip to Huntsville. We were heading up there and getting ready, and Zoe was coming down with an ear infection. And the plan was to leave the house at 1 p.m. so that we could get up there, get the tent set up, and kind of get everything rolling and just kind of relax and enjoy the evening. But Beth thought it would be necessary to get uh, Zoe on some antibiotics as soon as possible before her ear infection got worse. This was her fourth ear infection in a year and a half, the year and a half life that she lived. So she's had a lot. So Beth kind of knew what was coming. And so we... Uh, could not get in at the doctor's office, which is fairly typical, so I take Zoe to the emergency room because Beth had a few things that she had to finish up to get ready to go camping. So I take her to the emergency room, which is absolutely terrible to have to take a child with an ear infection to the emergency room, but nonetheless, we did. And so we're there, and we realize, I realize, that I am going to be there for quite a while, the... the Waiting room is quite full. We got in right into triage, but the waiting room was pretty full. And there were people that were obviously more important than us, people with uh, different ailments and different things that were more important. So they were going first and different things. And um, it was basically, um, we were there for quite a little while. And Zoe and I are walking down the hallway back and forth, and we knew that we had to be patient. And so we were just walking up and down. She was actually being very good, and um, everything was actually running quite smoothly other than we were waiting. We sat there for some, for some time, and there was this older fellow that had come in after us, and he was not patient at all. And uh, any time a nurse or someone from staff would come out, he'd start yelling, When is it my turn? When is it my turn? Can I get in there yet? I've been sitting here for hours. Can I? And he just yell across the whole. The whole waiting room could hear him. And I just laughed to myself because it was quite funny to watch somebody not be patient. And sometimes it's comical. other times it's not so comical. It's, um, <laughs> it's quite um, concerning other times. But we all like it when people are patient. We all like it, especially if you're on the other side of the counter or other side of wherever you're doing, you like when people are patient. And we've been at restaurants and different things where things were really busy and people were complaining, and I, I, just just be patient. Patience is a virtue. Last week, we saw the implementation of the priesthood. And so what what Christ, uh, excuse me, what God did was bring in the priesthood so that they could, uh, there could be a mediator between God and man. And we looked at Jesus Christ being our mediator. The priests were the only ones who could go into the tabernacle. And the children of Israel would have to be dependent upon them for their communication with God. And so the priests were the ones who needed to be in the middle. And the children of Israel would have to be dependent upon them for their communication. Numbers chapter 19 talks much about the qualifications and the procedures of the priests. Everything that they were to go through, everything that they were to do. I want to pick up the story, though, in verse 1 of chapter 20. The Bible says this. Then came the children of Israel, even the whole congregation into the desert of Zin in the first month. And the people abode in Kadesh, and Miriam died there. And was buried there. And there was no water for the congregation. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And the people chowed with Moses and spake, saying, Would God that we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. And why have ye brought up the congregation of the Lord into this wilderness that we and our cattle should die there? And wherefore have ye made us to come up out of Egypt to bring us in, t- in unto this evil place? It is no place of seed or of figs or of vines or of pomegranates. Neither is there any water to drink. And Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly uh, unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and they fell upon their faces. And the glory of the Lord appeared unto them, verse 7, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod, and gather thou the assembly together, and thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock, "...before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock. So shalt thou give the congregation and their beasts drink." And Moses took the rod from before the Lord, and he, as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And he said unto them, Watch this now. Hear now, ye rebels. Must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice." And the water came out abundantly. And the congregation drank and their beasts also, in verse 12. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because ye believed me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. This is the water of Meribah. Because the children of Israel strove with the Lord, and he was sanctified in them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to be here this morning. Father, I pray that you would help us this morning to understand your word. Father, be with me and my lips as I present. Father, I pray that your will would be done. Father, thank you so much for dying on the cross for our sins and as we've heard so vividly in song today. Father, we don't deserve what you've done for us. We don't even deserve to have a relationship with you, yet you loved us so much that you came to Calvary for the sake of our hearts. Father, we just love you for that and so thankful. I pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. I want to preach to you a message I've entitled, Wait. On the Lord. Not something you've never heard of before, but hopefully something that you'll learn today. First thing I want you to see this morning is the appearance. The appearance. The children of Israel are approximately two to three years out of Egypt at this point. So they've been out of Egypt for approximately two to three years, and they come to Moses and they come to Aaron, and the Bible does not use the term murmur, the Bible uses the term chod. And they chode with Moses and with Aaron and they come to them and say, look, here we are again, we have no water. Why did you bring us out here? Why did you bring us to this place to die? We don't see this land that has seeds and pomegranates and, and all the good things that you say we're supposed to have. We don't see that anywhere. So why did you bring us out and now we're here in this wilderness and we're here and we don't have any water again. So, the appearance is pretty much the same, is it not? Remember back to Numbers, I believe it's chapter 17, when God said, I'm going to put out murmuring out of the camp. Remember that whole thing? And Moses, or excuse me, Aaron's rod buds, and and the murmuring is set out of the camp. And we think, well, good. Now we'll never have to listen to this complaining and, and murmuring anymore. But here we are again right smack dab in the middle of them, saying much the same thing that they said in Numbers chapter 16 and Numbers chapter 17. Almost the exact same thing. The appearance looks very similar to all of the assemblies that were before. They're fighting with Moses. They're fighting with Aaron. They're asking some very pointed questions. However, if you'll notice, if you noticed in this passage, God's reaction is different. God does not get upset. God does not, uh, the Bible doesn't say that his wrath was kindled or his anger was kindled. It says that he just calmly says, go give them of what they need. Speak to the rock. I'm going to provide for them. He accommodates the people. Again, the Bible does not use the term murmur here. It appears that some headway has been made in the people beginning to trust God. They are now coming to Moses. They are now coming to Aaron and talking to them. And very simply, the the instructions were simple. There was nothing major to do here. Moses was to take the rod that he had done so many things with before. He had split the Red Sea with. He had, he had smote a rock before and water came out. and He's done so many things with this rod and he's to take that rod and he's to go before this rock and he's to speak to the rock. And water would come out and they would be able to feed, or excuse me, they would be able to water themselves and their cattle. He was to do this in front of the people. Get everybody in front of you and and do this. I, I want them to see who it is that is providing for them. By all accounts, this was almost identical to every other time before, would you agree? Looks pretty much the same. And I hope you're thinking, I thought we were done with this. I hope that's what you're thinking. It was pretty much the identical story. They would complain, God would supply. They would complain, God would supply. They would complain, God would supply. Also, this is not the first time, as we mentioned before, that God has provided water out of a rock. It's the exact same thing. There's very little different about that. But this is very important to understand that visually, on the surface level, this looks no different than anything else before. Which leads me to my second point, the annoyance. The annoyance. Look at verse 9. Chapter 20 and verse... Nine, The Bible says and Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he had commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And watch this. And he said unto him, hear now, ye rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice. And the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beasts also. Humans like to see progress, right? We all like to see progress. We like to see everything going well. We like to see that if we're going to start working out, we like to see us losing some weight, right? We all like progress. We like if we're going to cook something, we want to see it progressing along. If it's not, if you put a chicken in the oven and it's not progressing, there's probably something wrong with the oven. We don't like that. If we put dishes in the dishwasher and the dishes come out as dirty as they were when they went in, we don't like that. We like progress. We like to move along. We like to do something and look back. And And, and this is the uh, funnest thing, I think, about being a farmer. Is you could look back and you could say, look how many fence posts I put in. As a pastor, you can go, well, I wrote three messages this week. And yeah, I don't I mean You kind of just look back and go, There's not much progress that you can physically see, but we like to see physical progress. And I don't think that's unnatural. I don't think that's wrong. We don't like to think it's not working. We don't like to think that we need to change something. You see, when something doesn't go according to plan or something's not progressing along as we think it should, then we think we need to do something. We need to change something. We need to, 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 to come in and, and change something so that we can get that progress moving again. We are like that. We think sometimes that if things are not progressing, we need to become more passionate. We need to be louder or, or, or something to, those, to that effect. I believe Moses is in that position here. He's annoyed by what's going on. He sees what appears to be the same thing happening over and over and over again. And in his mind, maybe he's thinking, I thought that this murmuring was gone. I thought that we wouldn't have any more of this. And he appears to get a little bit annoyed here. He yells at them. He <laughs> He gets frustrated. He takes the rod and instead of speaking to the rock, out of his frustration he, he yells at the people, calls them rebels and starts hitting the rock and he hits it twice. Now before we get too hasty in saying how dare he do such a thing? How dare he disobey God in such a small way? Let's take a moment and put this into perspective. Moses up until this point has stuck up for the children of Israel a ton of times. He's gone to God and he said, God, listen, they're wrong. They shouldn't have done that, but don't kill them. He's gone to them and, and said, listen, Aaron, go up and stay the plague. And we don't, we don't want God's judgment raining down upon all the people. And, and, and so he's sticking up for the children of Israel and he does it over and over and over again. And he's just this type of leader. He's a great leader. He's begged God to continue to keep his people. How would you like to travel by foot with two million people that have been complaining to you for the last two to three years about the things that they didn't have? How would you like that? Most of us would have probably thrown in the towel by now, right? Yeah. (laughs) So humanly speaking, I think we can understand the annoyance here. There are times, and I'll have to be honest and admit something to you, my kids annoy me. There are times, and I have to admit it, I get frustrated with them. This morning, being one of them. Their mother wakes them up in the morning and asks them to get ready. We allow them to have a little bit of freedom in doing the things that they want to do and get up and get dressed. They can dress themselves. And so I usually come early to the church and then go back home and make sure everything's good to go and I get home and the kids are still in bed and they're not quick getting out of bed and they're not quick getting dressed they still have to eat breakfast and they still have to get their hair done and all of these things, all the things I have to do. I have to admit, I was a little bit frustrated this morning. And my kids are five years old, and four or five and six years old. And so it's no wonder that Moses was a little frustrated. These people are constantly complaining, and that's something with my kids that I despise. I despise complaining. And they do it over and over and over again, and all kids do. I just don't like that. But yet, here we are. Here we are in this position and Moses is frustrated and he's, he's annoyed that this same congregation of people, this same group of people is still complaining, is still giving God the, the what for, so to speak, and saying, what are you bringing us out into this wilderness for? You said you were going to take us into the promised land. And here we are with no water again. So I think we can understand the annoyance That Moses had here we all get annoyed but the third thing I want you to see is the atrocity don't get too excited this is my longest point (laughs) what's the problem here what's the what's we, we can see that the appearance looks the same we can see we can understand his annoyance so what's the big deal Why is this such an atrocity? Why is this such a bad thing that Moses and Aaron now cannot enter into the promised land? That's their punishment. Why is this so bad? Look at verse 12 with me if you would. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron. Watch this. And he says, because ye believed me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. So because Moses did this, he would not be able to enter into the promised land with the children of Israel. Can I ask you a question? Who else was not able to enter into the promised land? Think about Aaron. Yes, we understand that. This is Moses and Aaron God's talking to. Who else was not able to enter into the promised land? Let me take you back just a few short years. They're standing at Kadesh Barnea. They're getting ready to go into the promised land. They send 12 spies into the promised land. They go look and they come back and 10 spies say, it's bad. We we can't go in there. We can't do this. We can't go up. And they decide as a congregation of people, we will not go up and take it. What does God say? You will not go into the promised land. You're going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years until every one of you are dead and then your children will go up. So, who else wasn't allowed to go out? The entire older congregation of the the children of Israel. Why? We've already discussed this. Why? Because they believed not in God. They didn't trust in Him. They didn't trust the Lord. So, what was Moses' sin? Let's look there again in verse 12. What was the atrocity here? And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron: Here it is, because ye believed me not. Because ye believed me not, to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you will not go up. Moses' sin and Aaron's sin was that he believed not God and did not sanctify God before the people. Now what does that mean? I don't don't necessarily understand how he didn't believe God. I mean, he went up to the rock and he 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 hit it i mean obviously you don't just hit a rock and water starts coming out of it trust me i've tried i used to hit rocks all the time you just don't that's not the first thing that happens when you hit a rock water doesn't come gushing out of it so did god do a miracle here or not yes so what's the problem how is this still a problem go to numbers 27 with me numbers 27 Look at verse 12, Numbers 27 and verse 12. The Bible says this And the Lord said unto Moses, Get thee up into this mount Abarim and see the land which I have given unto the children of Israel. And when thou hast seen it, thou also shalt be gathered unto thy people as Aaron thy brother was gathered. Watch this, why? For ye rebelled against my commandment in the desert of Zin, in the strife of the congregation, to sanctify me at the water before their eyes. That is the water of Meribah and Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin. You getting any more information? Basically, he disobeys. He goes against the commandment of the Lord, and he does not sanctify God in the water before their eyes still leads us to some questions. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy chapter 32. And Look at verse 48. Deuteronomy 32 and verse 48. The Bible says this. And the Lord spake unto Moses that selfsame day, saying... Get thee up into this mountain Abiram, unto Mount Nebo, which is in the land of Moab, that is over against Jericho. And behold, the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel for a possession. And die in the mount, whither thou goest up. And be gathered unto thy people, as Aaron thy brother died in Mount Hor, and was gathered unto his people. Why? Because ye trespassed against me among the children of Israel at the waters of Meribah-Kadesh. In the wilderness of sin, because ye sanctified me not in the midst of the children of Israel. So it wasn't so much that God didn't do a miracle. It was that he disobeyed and that he sanctified not the Lord. He did not sanctify God before the people. Again, remember, up until this point... God has been trying to get the children of Israel to trust him. They have this trust issue. They don't want to trust leadership. They want to murmur against leadership. And they want to do what they want to do. And they want to have control. And they're not willing to give it up. And so God says, listen, I want to be your God. I want to provide for you. I want to sustain you. I want to give you what it is you need. I want to give you much more than what you need. God does not want them to trust themselves or trust any other leadership but him. God is trying to separate himself as a provider unlike any other. One that can give them anything they ever wanted or needed. He stopped the murmuring. He established a priesthood. But Moses did not sanctify God in the eyes of the people. Say, Pastor Jones is still just a little bit confused. I want to take you to one more passage. That's Psalm 106, and I hope this will clear things up for you. Psalm 106, and verse 32. Psalm 106, and verse 32. This is a psalm in basically it goes through the entire history of Israel. I want you to see what Asaph says here in Psalm 106, verse 32. The Bible says this. They angered him also at the waters of strife. Now Meribah means strife. The waters of strife. So that it went ill with Moses for their sakes. Okay, so I want you to stop there. This is, this is referring to this point. That it went ill for Moses because of them. Because of the strife, it went ill for Moses, okay? Moses now cannot go up into the promised land. Verse 33 tells us why. Because they provoked his spirit. Whose spirit? This is Moses' spirit. He he got annoyed. He got frustrated because they provoked his spirit, watch this, so that he spake unadvisedly with his lips. Oh, so there's something said What was Moses to do to the rock? Speak to it. So it wasn't that he talked. No, that's not what it was. It was something that he said. He spake unadvisedly with his lips. So let's go back. Go back to Numbers 20. Let's take a look at what Moses says because this is really the atrocity. Numbers 20. Numbers 20 and verse 10. By the way, your lips will usually get you into trouble. Numbers chapter 20 and verse 10. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And he said unto them, watch this now. Hear now, ye rebels, must we, must we, thank you for catching on so early. Must we fetch you water out of this rock? You see what he did? Who did Moses make responsible for the water out of the rock? He made himself and Aaron responsible. Why did he do this? Why did he do it? Psalm 106 tells us it was because he was frustrated they, they, they provoked his spirit. He was annoyed. He was, he was looking at the circumstance and saying, listen, this is exactly the same thing that we've had countless times. And it's the exact same thing. And I'm frustrated. And out of that frustration, he says something that he shouldn't. And in his anger, he lashes out. And he takes the glory away from God and puts it on himself really unadvisedly. Did he mean to do that? Was he like, oh, I'm going to take God's glory away? No, he wasn't. He was frustrated. He was annoyed by it all. So what's the point of all this? I want to show you the application. This would be short. There are times in our lives when we're trying to conquer something. We can look at St. Thomas and say, we're going to try and conquer St. Thomas. We're going to try and reach St. Thomas for Christ. We can do it through Christ. Maybe it's your finances. I'm going to get my finances in order. I'm going to do things the way that God wants me to do. I'm going to start tithing, and I'm going to start giving an offering, and I'm going to start doing some of those things. Or it's, Maybe it's my marriage. I'm going, to, I'm going to do what's right in my marriage, and I want to see my marriage change or my relationship, whatever it might be. I want to, I want to change this. I want to conquer. There are times when we do everything that the Lord requires of us And we still are not seeing any results. You ever been there? I want you to think about something. Trusting God means relying on his timing. Trusting God means relying on his timing. So often circumstances appear to remain the same. It just doesn't seem like My spouse is changing. It just doesn't seem like my finances are coming in the way that they should. It just doesn't seem like St. Thomas is being one like it should. And we can get annoyed by that. And it's so easy to do. And it's so understandable. Because we don't see change. But can I challenge you? Don't stop trusting Because if you do what Moses did, he stopped trusting God. He stopped. He said, listen God, I see you're not doing anything here. You told me that murmuring was gone back in Numbers chapter 17. I know it's gone. You said it. I've trusted you. And now I have to take things into my own hands. Oh, be so careful. By this alone, Because he did not sanctify and he spake unadvisedly with his lips. Be careful, he was not able to go into the promised land, something that he had been promised for so long. I want to take you over to Isaiah chapter 40. Famous passage of Scripture, Isaiah chapter 40. Look at verse 28. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. The Bible says this. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, feigneth not? Neither is weary. Do you you not understand that God's not fainting? God, God is continuing. He's steadfast. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fail. Verse 31, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Folks, wait on the Lord. You get, most of us get weary in waiting. Most of us do. We don't like it. We don't like sitting. We don't like uh, seeing the same thing happen over and over and over again. But God is saying, listen, you still have to trust me. Trusting God means that we must rely on his timing. This is so hard because we are so reliant upon results. So reliant upon results. But if we're not careful, we can thwart what God is trying to do. Again, Moses is in a position to really let God shine. And really let, I mean, how was the world created? It was spoken into existence. God's trying to get them back to a place where they completely trust him. And he just, just speak to the rock. And he doesn't. He takes God's glory away from him. He doesn't wait for God to do what he needs to do. Again, a quick illustration. Abraham is promised a son. He's promised a son that would give him the seed as the sands of the seashore. And he's waiting. And he's waiting. And he's getting a little bit annoyed. And he keeps seeing the same thing over and over and over again. But finally he decides to take something into his own hands. And he takes Hagar... goes in unto her and has a child by her Uh uh-oh and now we see the results of that had he just waited folks trusting god means relying on his timing there are times you want to control there are times you want to say all right god if you're not going to do it i will don't do that Do what God asks you to do. We must trust God completely. We must allow him to do the work of conquering. We must be patient. We must wait for his timing. Don't get frustrated. Don't get annoyed if nothing seems to change. You don't know what God's doing underneath the surface. Just continue to let God work. And just do what he asks you. He wants you to conquer more than you do. You realize that? God promised them this land. He wants them to take it more than they want it. And so he wants your marriage to be more than it, or what it, is, what it should be, more than you do. And he wants your finances to be what it is more than you do. And, and he wants St. Thomas to be one more than you do, I guarantee it because he died for it. Folks, what I'm trying to get at is trusting God means relying on his timing. Don't do what Moses did. His sin was that he did not sanctify the Lord because he put the glory upon him. And he was going to take charge of this thing. Because the appearance looked the same. Be very careful. But continue to trust God even when it doesn't seem like things are going the right way.